0: Law enforcement today radio show i'm your host my name is john j wiley in addition to being a radio broadcaster i'm a retired baltimore police sergeant in most episodes of the law enforcement today radio show we'll be joined by special guests we'll be talking about issues that affect law enforcement officers both active and retired their families friends and supporters We'll also be discussing incidents in the news from the perspective of those in law enforcement. Visit our website, lawenforcementtoday.com, and be sure to like and follow us on Facebook. Search for Law Enforcement Today. The Law Enforcement Today radio show brought to you by That's GALLS.com. That's gall dot com. Robert, you've been dealing with them for a long time, haven't you?
1: Long time. 31 years. And they've been in business for 50 years. Their selection is unparalleled.
0: You get everything at GALLS.com. And their
1: customer service is unparalleled. Delivered right to your door. Never even have to leave your house.
0: Goals.com. Also check them out on Facebook and Instagram.
1: Welcome to Law Enforcement Today. I'm John J. Wiley. Joined by... Robert Greenberg in studio with you. We got a special guest for you today,
0: Jay. In the studio, which is very rare that we have uh, people in the studio. Join us today, and I hope I don't mispronounce your last name, Jay Stallion. That's your first name and middle name.
2: Yeah. First name, middle name. Jay Stallion.
0: And it's not your, your last name because... You're an active police officer. Yes. And when you're on social media, you just go by your first and and middle middle name. And what's the reason for
2: that? Well, a lot of people aren't happy Uh, when they disagree. They tend to say mean things. And I don't want it to get to the point where I start getting stalked. So I try to keep my information, my
0: personal information limited on social media. And that's a good idea. Also, what people don't realize is that um, if you're a law enforcement officer, there's restrictions about what you can and can't yeah. post your freedom of speech is curtailed yeah
1: well everybody including uh, your department now has strict social media policies and and they're changing and evolving based on what's hot and what what happens yeah. in the news and waiver of the month correct the way i became
0: introduced to jay As I was cruising social media, which I do a lot, mostly for work nowadays, very little personal stuff. And you made a post that went viral. The photo on the post was you wearing a police vest with police written on it. And you had a badge. I went, I know that badge. (laughs) It's a Baltimore City Police badge. That's the agency I retired from. And uh, that's how you caught my eye. And uh, tell us a little bit about that post. What prompted you to make that post? That
2: post I wrote after the Dallas, the five Dallas officers got assassinated. People say they got shot. I think they got assassinated. Um, that struck me so hard because I actually watched it. I was watching the news, the rioting, the, uh, the protesting that turned into chaos and I watched them die on TV. And I saw people's reactions. Some people were saying that they deserve to die. Uh, some people who believe in this Black Lives Matter movement believe that they deserve to die for whatever reason. And it, it hurt me so much that I had to get my feelings out. And that's, that's where that post came from. I just let it all out. And people, a lot of people agreed. A lot of people disagreed. And it just took off from
0: there. Funny thing is, when I post my opinion on social media or Facebook, I have learned that I don't engage in conversations with people afterwards. <laughs> this is my opinion. You may not agree. You may say all kinds of stuff. and You mm-hmm. don't agree with me. And I'm like, whatever. Right. Did you encounter any of that?
2: Uh, the majority, I would say about... Uh, 80% of the people that responded, there was there were positive responses. The 20%, they were so disgusting that it wasn't even worth the effort to respond to them. I mean, their, their responses didn't make sense. If somebody responds to you intelligently and factually, then yeah, you can have that conversation. But if they're just name-calling, belligerent, uh, spitting racial slurs, there's no point. You're not going to get anywhere.
0: You actually addressed that in there, uh, that you can't have arguments with people who refuse to use logic and exactly. facts exactly because it, it's a total exercise in futility exactly. and what happens to me is i lose i lose all all <laughs> of my like the quorum goes out the window right and next you know what's the old saying robert and i say all the time i think mark twain said never argue with an idiot because they'll just drag you down to their level and beat you with experience
2: <laughs> right
0: and other observers won't be able to tell the difference between the two exactly so i just don't do it that post how viral did it go BBC
2: International contacted me. They wanted to do an interview, but
0: at the time it was
2: still kind of iffy because I was with a different agency, and the agency just found out about it because everybody was contacting them, saying, "Who's this guy? His his profile says he works in Riviera Beach." So it was I didn't want to start going on TV and stuff like that, but I got contacted by BBC International. They wanted actually, I got permission from the chief at that time to go to Washington because they wanted me to go on a form and have a discussion with President Obama when he was still in office. Did you go? No, I didn't go because when that post went viral, it was past the cutoff for Secret Service to do their background to allow you to come. I think they have a 24-hour deadline, 24 right. hours to do your background, and it was within the 24
0: hours, so I couldn't make the cutoff. Speed of background, let's talk about your background. Where are you from originally?
2: I'm originally from Brooklyn, New York. I got into law enforcement in Technically in 2009, I don't really count it as law enforcement. I was an auxiliary police officer with NYPD for about a year and nine months. And after that, I just caught the bug. I fell in love with the job. The reason why I became an auxiliary was because I wanted to test it out. I wanted to become a cop, but I wanted to see if it was for me. So after that almost two years, I just fell in love with the job. That's all I wanted to do. So I started applying everywhere and Baltimore PD picked me up first and that's where I went. So I started with Baltimore PD in 2011. I
0: left in 2014 We're going to take a short break Joining us in the studio, Jay Stallion uh, Former Baltimore police officer We're going to talk about that a little bit later on Because we worked the same area for a while Uh, He's an active law law enforcement officer now And uh, he's become a bit of a Social media superstar But first, we're going to take a break And we'll be right back Keyboard Cat, Hamilton the Pug, and Toast Meets World.
3: These are some of the internet's most beloved pets. And they all have one thing in common. Their stories started in a shelter. Start your story. Adopt a dog or cat today. Visit theshelterpetproject.org to find a pet near you. Training that pet to play the keyboard, that's optional start a story. Adopt a shelter or rescue pet today. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States and
2: the
1: Ad Council.
4: Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. Do you feel like you're losing control over your finances? If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now, by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services and take advantage of the Fresh Start program and new laws that may allow us to negotiate a settlement for the lowest amount possible. Our team of tax attorneys and enrolled agents can stop collections and get you protected so you can take control of your financial future. Tax Mediation Services is accredited by the Better Business Bureau. Call now for a free case review and a price protection guaranteed quote. Call Tax Mediation Services
3: now at 800 610 9060. That's 800-610-9060. 800-610-9060. I'm probably okay to have one more drink before I drive home. I'm probably okay. I open the window to stay alert. Probably okay, I just brought some gum in my mouth. Step out of the car, please. I probably made a mistake
2: probably okay isn't okay when it comes to drinking and driving if you see a warning sign stop and call a cab a car or a friend buzzed driving is drunk driving a message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council
0: we are back joining us in the studio Jay Stallion an active law enforcement officer and uh spend some time in the Baltimore Police Department we're going to talk about that then we'll get back to your post again right because there's a lot of great information in there First of all, you were in New York. You were an auxiliary in New York Police Department. Right. You should count that as your experience because that's <laughs> just as dangerous. Right. And then you went to Baltimore because you wanted to be a full-time officer. Right. Tell us what that was like. You Just go down there one day and show up at the headquarters building and fill out an application? Pretty much.
2: I filled it out online and then they sent me an email back saying that I could participate in the out-of-state process. So I booked a hotel for a week, jumped in my little... Uh, two-seater and drove four hours to Baltimore and did the whole process within a week. And
0: uh, the process was super fast. NYPD takes five years. They did it in six weeks. When I got hired, we, we had 55 in the academy class and they were taking they were doing background checks bar in the academy. They are taking people <laughs> oh, out wow. every day. Wow. They hired them and then did the background after. Yeah. And they're trying to speed it up now so they're going to they, get back to that. They think it's not fast enough. That's no. what I read. Well, don't even get me started. They're saying that part of the problem with Baltimore is that it takes too long to get hired. Yeah, I saw and that's that. why people don't want to be police there. Nah. That's not it. Nah. That's not, not at all. When you were in the department, in the Baltimore Police Department, you graduated academy. Where were you assigned? The Central District. And I worked Central District when I was a sergeant and sector three, yep. uh, Pennsylvania Avenue, areas where you saw the riots after the Freddie Gray, okay. that whole area. Uh, Pretty much
2: the border of the Western uh,
0: Yeah, Pennsylvania Lawrence is one of the most violent areas in the United States. Uh, Druid Hill and Whitelock, another really tough town. Some great people there. Don't get me wrong, but absolute out of control in two, violence. Uh, yeah. So tell us how long were you at the Academy and what was your initial responses to what it was like on the streets there?
2: I tried, the way I am, I try to prepare myself for things. I don't like to just dive in. So I watched, I forgot the name of it, but it was, a, it was based on Baltimore, a police show based on Baltimore. The
0: Wire, The, Wire, the Corner. Okay, yeah.
2: I watched all five seasons, like I been watched it. So it kind of, and I was, when I got out of the Academy and I was actually on Soul Patrol, it surprised me how accurate The Wire actually was. It wasn't fictional at all. A lot of it was accurate. It was kind of a culture shock. Growing up in New York, you think you're big and bad, and yeah, I'm from New York. I came down to Baltimore, it was a whole different culture, completely different. The amount of violence that I saw, the, the, the buildings, the shape that they were in, the, the mindset, it was just, it took a while to get used to
0: it. Did wow. you find yourself in a situation that had to use deadly force? Yes, I did Once. How three, long out of the academy were you for that happen?
2: Uh, three months out of the academy. I responded to a domestic, and uh, the suspect ended up trying to stab me, and I had to do what I had to do. And that, so that was even more shocking. It was three months out of the academy. I'm thinking, yeah, I got time. No, it's not going to happen right away. And then, next thing you know, three months out of the academy. And then the way it happened, it was face to face. I had my hands on the guy. In training, they tell you uh, you have now it's 32 feet, I think. You have 32 feet before uh, somebody could close distance and stab you with a knife. This guy i had my hand on him i don't know how i made distance i kind of that that memory is just not there i made distance and i i fired my weapon and took him down but all of it was shocking to me and it really changed my perspective on law enforcement in what way well you you don't take life for granted you can't be complacent we all know a lot of cops they're complacent they think it's not gonna be me you know, guys try to, they're proud of the fact that 20 years they didn't pull their gun. Or they never had to use it. Some guys don't wear their vest. And Then me, three months out of the academy, I'm in a deadly force situation. So I'm like, every day I go to work, like, it might be me today. I have to be ready. So I don't have the mindset that it's not going to be me. I, I think that it might be me, so I have to be ready to go home to my family. So from that day, I just appreciated life way more, and I took off safety way more.
1: You're not in Baltimore anymore. You're working... In the Florida area. Right. Are you still able to have that same mindset? And if you are, how do you stay razor sharp like that? Because I can relate to what you're saying. Right.
2: Here, it's actually harder to stay razor sharp. It's easier to get complacent. Because the people we deal with are much nicer. Baltimore and South Florida, completely different mindset, completely different culture. And here, if I stayed as if I stayed the way I was in Baltimore, the way I patrol in Baltimore, and I tried that down here, I'd get in trouble every single day. Mm-hmm. I'd be, you can't do it. So you have to you have to adjust the way you approach people. You still keep it in the back of your mind, but you definitely have to tone it down a little bit.
0: That's an interesting point you brought up. I've had conversations with law enforcement officers in other parts of the United States, and mm-hmm. I try to explain to them what it was like and how we did our job in Baltimore. And they they look at me as if, I'm speaking a different language at yeah, times. Like- One of the things that we were taught yeah. as, as rookie officers we showed everybody respect that they changed the tone of the conversation. Mm-hmm. And then when they did, there was absolutely no let up. Yep. They, they had to know perfectly clear that you and I weren't going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and whatever it took, even was simply clearing a corner. Yep. You're going to do what it took. So for outside observers, especially the media, they would often come across and say, these guys are awfully harsh
2: but they don't understand that you, you had to be like that in order to keep some kind of chaos under control. And if you didn't keep that command presence, if you didn't let them know that, hey, we're here, we're not gonna let you tear this place apart, they would, you give them an inch, they're gonna take them out because their goals are different from your goals. You're trying to keep people safe, they're trying to do what they want to do, right. criminal activity, so you have to, you had to keep some kind of control. And Baltimore it was so rampant It's not like down here. It was so rampant up there that you had to, you can't let up at all.
0: It's hard to describe. I was telling my wife the other day, and I don't often talk about my police experience, but the level of violence, I explained to her, in Baltimore, especially those areas that we worked in in Baltimore, Mm -hmm. it's like a blast furnace. You know, you put a blast furnace in another room, you shut the door, you still feel the heat coming off. But the minute you open that door, you can't escape the sensation. It's, it's, everywhere and it is at a level that people just can't comprehend
2: i try to explain it to people like you know how they say like a city 10 percent of the citizens are bad the rest 90 are good i felt like in baltimore at least in the area i worked it was the other way around 90 percent of the people were they hated your guts you were probably gonna get into confrontation with them and they just didn't like you and then 10 of the of the citizens in baltimore actually appreciated you and said thank you for being here for keeping us safe that's that's how it felt to me. That's how I try to explain it to people. Like down here, it shocks me down here how different it is from Baltimore. Up there, you, you just didn't know. It would be nothing for you to sit on the corner and hear gunshots right every single night. And I tell guys this here, and they don't believe me. No, <laughs> they I, <laughs> they don't I, believe me. I know Robert's going.
0: I, 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 are they are they every, shocking are driving me? No, we're not. It's, every single night. Fourth of July. New Year's Eve, our sergeants used to make us park our yep. patrol cars underneath concrete overpasses or bank drive throughs yep. because of the amount of gunfire. Yeah. It's bad. It was and it's working in the inner harbor on the 4th of July, you never want to get between the crowd and the water. And yeah. They'd shove you in a heartbeat. Yeah.
2: And that when I before I left the Inner Harbor, it was dangerous. At night we had we had riots every night, juveniles. We had a big
0: juvenile problem. They, oh, they said it's a new trend. No, that's been going on since the 80s. They yeah. called roaming wolf packs back in the
2: Pretty day. Pretty much. It looked like Jurassic Park, just everywhere, destroying stuff, beating up tourists. A couple of tourists died. It was just dangerous. People used to tell me, oh, the inner harbor is beautiful. I'm like, don't go there at night. No. I'm not going to you know, try to talk bad about the city purposely, but if I care about somebody, I'm not going to let them be in danger. You got to open your eyes.
1: So after three glorious years <laughs> in the city of Baltimore, why would you leave? I kind of saw the writing on the wall. We deal with criminals, that's
2: not new. We deal with people that don't like us, that's not new. But when you're dealing with it from the inside, that's not a, that's not a good thing.
1: Not a healthy uh, atmosphere. Not,
2: yeah, it's, it's very unhealthy, it's very bad for morale, it's toxic. Baltimore, you deal with it, not from, just from the citizens and the criminal, you deal with it from the inside they eat themselves and the people i knew and myself we couldn't stand it anymore there's no way you could do your job there's no way you could go home and be happy you end up taking it home so the best decision you can make is to get yourself out of that toxic environment and i kind of saw the writing on the wall the way it was going
1: after the michael brown incidents and so that was the specific incident that uh
0: uh before that that was ferguson missouri michael Brown, right Right, but
1: the, the uh, tunnel effect or, yeah. or the after effect that trickled down to the Baltimore community.
2: Right. You kind of saw the writing in the wall, and I'm like, I got to get out of here. For me and my family, you have to be in a better environment. This is toxic. We're not happy, and it's not going to get better. Uh, guys, when I would tell them, hey, I'm leaving, oh, you know, it'll get better. It's been like this for 20 years. It's not going to get better. There's no way. It's the, the mindset. So literally right after I left is when the riots happened and Marilyn Mosby and we all know what what happened from there.
1: So. Wow. You got out at the right time.
2: Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's a revolving door. Like I, if I go back there, I won't recognize anyone.
1: How many people from your academy
0: class are still there?
2: <laughs> a handful. I think it was 30 of us. There's probably five left. I was one of the, the last to leave. Everybody left before I did.
1: Made and, it three years.
2: Everybody else is gone before oh, that. They were gone after a year.
1: You know, the... The, the scary thing to me, we're not talking about third world country. No. We're talking about Cleveland, uh, a prominent city in the United Actually, States we're talking of about
0: America. Baltimore, but yeah. Baltimore, <laughs> Cleveland. It's the eighth largest police department in yep. the United States. Yep. It's a big city. And it's, when I was there, the population was like almost 900,000. Now it's like 600 and change. They yeah. lost so many people yeah. and they were over a million at one point and people just leave in droves. Yeah. It's people just move out. That's
2: why uh, another part that was shocking for me was when I was driving down there for the process and I would drive through the neighborhoods and it was just vacant building after yeah. vacant building. Blocks and blocks of vacant houses. Never seen anything like it. You would think it's a third world country where a bomb hit. It was just empty. No one's walking on the sidewalk. There's no life, no kids at the park. And that, that alone will start to affect you after a while.
1: Right. But you're probably like, I could re- reflect that people are going, well, why did you get a job there because you're probably like I did put an application with everybody exactly first department that calls you go
2: exactly I wanted to do the job and I wanted to be where the action was and that was Baltimore I got more action than I could ever ask for pretty much
0: you'll learn just about every aspect of oh, policing yeah. within a year and a half oh, yeah. in that agency you'll handle every I think the only thing I didn't handle in my years there was a kidnapping What's we sure? had uh, I, I remember being a rookie and having multiple homicide arrests. You, you stumble across them, like yep. uh, a group, a him. group stabbed and beat a guy to death. Uh, a friend of theirs off a bus on midnight shift in Northwest District. I'm driving down the street, and here's four guys walking the street, covering blood, and yep. me yep. with a 38 revolver. And they all they all gave up peacefully, but nothing prepared me in the academy class for that kind of stuff. no yeah, I, I don't think anything can prepare you. The first
2: week. I was getting into fights on the block. And the block is a whole different story. It's city government headquarters. And on the same block across the street is a bunch of strip clubs where everybody goes. Yep. And at 2 o'clock every single night, 2 in the morning, when the clubs let out, you're guaranteed to get into a fight. There's no. Um,
1: absolutely. Well, that's great <laughs> city planning. Put the strip clubs yeah. across yeah. from City it's Hall. two blocks of strip
2: clubs across from City Hall. That's Across just, from, from police that's, headquarters. That's
1: amazing. Yeah, it's
2: can't Make that stuff up.
1: No, <laughs> I don't. I, you know what? If you were just we were out in a bar just having a few drinks, I wouldn't believe you, but it, you know, we're not here, and so I, I definitely Every take you. That's crazy. Two o'clock
2: in the morning, we had to make everybody leave because all the street clubs let out, no more jeans, all that stuff, and you're guaranteed to get into a fight. Oh, there's yeah. no way
0: around. It. I actually, as an as a acting lieutenant, had to close down nightclubs, yeah, yep. and they say you can't do that because they were overcrowded, there's fist fights going on, and they say you can't do that. It's like it's 12 o'clock. Well, you got a liquor license. So I'm shutting you down now. Yeah. Otherwise, we're, we're scouting your license. Yeah. And you'd, you'd have to literally shut down as a police officer yeah. or a sergeant. You're, you're shut down now.
2: And it was, it was nothing to hear single 13s going off every single night. In the summertime, they would have these juvenile parties, which were the worst. I don't know why they let them. Massive juvenile parties, 100, 200 juveniles. They let out. Everybody's fighting. Everybody's fighting. Before I left is how I broke my hand. We was doing a crowd control after a club let out, and a guy struck my partner, and everyone started fighting. It was like, you ever seen the Batman movie? Mm-hmm. The last scene in the Batman movie where everybody's—that's how it felt. It was it was ridiculous?
0: It's uh, certainly chaotic. We're going to take a break at this moment. I got to say this: I just recently had a birthday, and was amazing to me, and it actually brought a tear to my eye. Is a lot of not just Baltimore police I worked with on the t- at the time. But even ones who came in on the job after I retired and officers from other agencies referred to me as brother or Sarge. I was like, as bad as things were, those were the best yeah. people I have ever met in my life. The men and women I worked with, they were phenomenal.
2: I was talking to one of my best friends last night. We both worked in uh, Baltimore. He left before I did, but we were both in the same academy class. The guys I met in that academy class, they're still my best friends. Yeah. And we're all in different states, but we still, we're like brothers. Whereabouts are they? They're all scattered around. One's in Jersey, one's in New York. Jersey? One's in New York, NYPD. Two of them are still in
0: Baltimore. We're in the studio with Jay Stallion. Uh, That's his first name and middle name. That's what he goes by on Facebook. And it became kind of famous. Uh, for a Facebook post we're going to talk about a little bit later on again because uh, it went viral and he's an active law enforcement officer here in South Florida former Baltimore police we work the same areas different eras mm-hmm. different decades but the same same thing it's it's amazing we're going to take a short break we'll be right back this is Law Enforcement Today <laughs> Adopt US Kids presents multiple choice parenting.
4: You've messed up your daughter's haircut. Do you A. Get spiritual. Mom, where's the mirror? Beauty is within. Oh. B. Find the positives. Less time blow drying, more time texting? Or C. Show empathy. Mom, you really don't have to. Twinsies. I
0: kind of love it. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love
4: you just the same. For more information on adoption, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day. Because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit? Doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce? It just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 3ignoreMyscore.com right now. That's www.the number 3ignoreMyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 3ignoreMyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. Driving means freedom, Freedom. exploration,
3: fun, pride, flexibility, protection, excitement, independence. (laughs) Distracted driving means Danger Recklessness Irresponsible
4: Chaos Police Devastation
3: Tears. Death Safe driving means Staying alert And staying alive
1: Visit stoptextstoprex.org A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration Project Yellow Light, Noise, and the Ad Council
0: We are back joining us in the studio Jay Stallion, police officer Law enforcement officer here in South Florida, former Baltimore police officer. And of course, uh, he and I have that in common. And uh, Jay, I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for coming in. We've been trying to make this so happen for a while. Up. Yeah. You're a family guy, you're a married guy, you're busy.
2: Right. Absolutely. Two kids. What kind of hours do
0: you work now? I
2: work overnight, four days on, four days off. Is it 12 hour shifts? Yeah, 12 hour shifts. And then
0: you're working midnight shifts. So, and then you come home and you've got little, little children. Yep. I got a
2: three-year-old and a year and a half. Oh, boy. A boy and a girl. Daddy's trying to sleep. Well, it never ends up working out. (laughs) So you try to get as much sleep as you can, but it is what it is. I wouldn't have it any other way.
0: How does your spouse feel about you being in law enforcement?
2: She actually, I met her in uh, Baltimore PD. We are in the same station. Oh so she's a, a former Baltimore yeah. police too? Yep, same
0: district. Tell her I said hello. <laughs> Crazy <laughs> people hang to out me. together, huh? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, they say water seeks its own level. Exactly. exactly. For sure. Exactly. And she's she's out of law enforcement now? Yeah, she's out of law enforcement now. One's sure. enough in the family.
2: Yeah, that's it. I I didn't hey, when she said when she suggested it, I didn't argue. That's a great <laughs> idea. Yeah. I just got to worry about myself.
0: You reached some sort of level of fame, and some would even say infamy, depending on your point of view, due to a Facebook post you put online about a year ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was basically your point of view. And give us a synopsis of what that whole post was about.
2: Like I said before, it was right after the Dallas shooting and the reactions to people. Like I was so devastated. I cried when I saw it. I cried. I'm not going to try and I don't care if I don't look tough, but I cried. Like seeing your fellow brothers and sisters, that could have been any, any one of us. Mm-hmm. We're just doing a crowd control and we get shot. So it bothered me a lot. But what bothered me even more was the disgusting reactions to seeing somebody die. So I put that all in a post. I actually deleted it like five times because I'm like, nah, I don't want to post this. But it just, the feelings were just boiling up. So I wrote it, I submitted it, and I just looked away. The next morning, a guy that I was working with in a different agency, texted me an article that somebody picked it up. I think it was BizPack Review or somebody. And then I'll go back to my Facebook and it's like 100,000 views or shares. It was ridiculous.
1: I read it, Jay. It was phenomenal. Well said. What surprised you so much from some of the comments?
2: I expected people to not agree with me. I expected bad responses, but the majority of the responses were actually good. And a lot of the responses touched me because it was people expressing that this is how they felt for years. Like they felt the same way that I felt, but they never found the outlet to say it. And I pretty much put everything they were feeling on, on paper. And that really touched me. That was, that's what really shocked me that so many people agree with me. So many people felt what I was feeling. They saw what I was seeing. They just didn't know how to say it. So it, it's nice to know that uh, I wasn't the only one feeling what I was feeling.
1: Right. Well, I can tell you, I've shown quite a few people your article and many of them active. And so they feel compelled not to say what you said just for that reason. So if you haven't seen what Jay wrote, I I strongly recommend it. It's, it'll blow your mind.
0: And it's from your own experience too. Right, exactly. Not only do you cover your experience as a police officer, you cover your experience growing up in Brooklyn. Right. And the amount of violence that you were exposed to as a child. Your family are immigrants, correct? Yes, they are. Where do they immigrate from? Haiti. Haiti, okay. And then you're born and raised in Brooklyn, so you're first-generation American. Right. And then you said that that was a lot of violence. And I hate the term black-on-black. Black. I, I, I hate any kind of call it, terminology yeah. that, that just differentiates violence. Yeah, I, it's people from reason. the same community. Exactly. It's a community members killing each other. Exactly they not from outside the neighborhood. Exactly.
2: The, the media, the, these politicians, they make it seem like it's a phenomenon. They don't know why, or it doesn't exist, or it's the police that are doing it. When you look at the numbers and the facts, there's no other... It's community members clean community members. But when you try to have that conversation, people get emotional. They, get, uh, they start saying hateful things, and they just don't want to hear it. It's
0: very taboo to speak about. And it is. And, and, and I'll be all, uh, totally honest. I'm not allowed to speak about it. In this day and age, in this climate, yeah. I can't speak about it. Exactly. I can tell you what I went through as a police officer. I can tell you my experience that way. But And you and I had this in common. One of the, the, the most horrible things was meeting a young child on your post in Baltimore. And then four or five years later, he's involved in a drug game. And he winds up shorting, or money comes up missing, or he gets ripped off. And people don't realize... The way they control that in the drug gangs is they shoot them right there in the street. And you're there and you've got a 15 or 16 year old young man who's taking his last breath and people are gathered around like it's it's like a Saturday matinee. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's entertainment.
2: Yeah, and it's hard to explain to people that your experiences with that. I remember this one kid, I'll never forget him. I moved him off the same corner every single day. North Ave and Druid Hill. That same corner store moved them every day. It got to the point where it became a joke. We just started joking with each other. He saw me, waved, and started walking. As soon as you leave, they're gonna come right back and do their thing. But one day we got a uh, call, shots fired, and guess who it was? Him taking his last breath. He took a bullet right through the eye, went out the back of his head. And I just remember standing there looking at him, like I was just I just saw I've been talking to this kid for months. It came to the point where we like we were friends. Like We would just wave to each other, and he'll do his thing, and I'll do my thing. We had an understanding. And here he is, bleeding, taking his last breath.
0: How old were you when that, that incident occurred?
2: I was 25.
0: And um, I remember being 21, 22, and being on a scene where people are dying, and I'm thinking, I did not even know how to have a relationship with anybody yet. <laughs> and here I'm here handling people being killed yep. and trying to keep the peace because— it would erupt into violence right oh, yeah. there at the scene of the shooting. Yep. Uh, a family member come by and they're so emotional. Next thing you know, it, it's a brawl in the street. Yep. And no one has any information. No one's going to give you any information at all. No, they're not going to talk to you. Not, they don't
2: want to be seen talking to you.
0: No. So you have to do that. You had to learn how as a police to talk to them another time and make yourself available.
1: Yep, absolutely. At the $50,000 question, I was waiting to jump in because it's such good conversation. Right. How do we change this? <sighs>
2: you can't change something unless you acknowledge the problem and the way I see things, my personal opinion is people aren't acknowledging the problem they're blaming external factors that are non-existent right now, police are the problem right now uh, for some reason, Donald Trump white people are the problem to me, based on my experience and based on my research and the facts that has nothing to do with the violence in these communities at all If people really care about lives, if they really want to address and stop the killings, you have to address the problem. And it's not police. and It's not people of different races. It's people within the community. You have to hold the community accountable. But like I said, when you try to have that kind of conversation, it's almost like it don't exist. It's the craziest thing. You're going to get totally blown away. Oh, yeah. I'll never understand it. I'll never understand it. uh, My favorite response is, uh, we know that's a problem, but... Police shootings are more of a problem. Really? Uh, Thousands of community members dying every day and the couple controversial shootings, which after the facts come out, it ends up being legit. That's more important than thousands of people dying? Like, which is more important, life? Or the controversial incidences where a criminal was engaged in criminal activity? They made their
1: choices. Well, I think when you grow up in that culture... I think it becomes a way of life and you accept that. Right. And what, And if you're told the police are the problem, then the police are the problem. So um, those programs that are actually reaching out for the youth before mm-hmm. they are indoctrinized into this mental train of thought yep. is, is the way to solve some of the problems. But I think you hit <coughs> it dead on.
2: I find that a people always take the easiest way out. And the easiest way out is to blame somebody else. It's hard to look in the mirror and say, hey, I'm part of the problem. It's extremely hard to, to do that. But when you do that, that leads to success. When you hold yourself accountable, it will lead to success. And I think if more people in the communities looked within, instead of taking the easy way out and blaming other external factors, it would turn around so fast people wouldn't believe it.
0: Well, the basis of politics nowadays is, not just nowadays, but show that there's someone who's a problem exactly. or the enemy and that you've the solution. So it becomes exactly. us against them. Exactly. And all these political conversations. And I hold, not just in Baltimore, but nationwide politicians in very low regard Absolutely. for that reason. But there's another group, I think, that has an equal part to play, and that's the news media. Oh, yeah. 1000%. And uh, they are deliberately creating headlines that are inflammatory. Very bad. And the, the facts of the story, especially in officer-involved shootings, that justify or show that the officer's actions were justified are buried down the bottom. Knowing people won't ever read that.
2: People don't understand. The news media only cares about ratings. And good news isn't it doesn't sell. Bad news sells. So the flavor now is police shootings. The flavor now is racial turmoil. So if something comes out and they could twist it to make it seem that way, they're going to run with it. They're going to run with it. And people... They, they don't try to do research on their own. They take what's what's divulged the to them. And if, I think if more people took a step back and actually did the research and read for themselves instead of reading what somebody told oh, you. but like
0: reading, reading. What
2: the <laughs> heck is that? Yeah, people actually. And more than just Wikipedia. Yeah, actually, exactly. You know. If they actually said, all right, somebody, do you see these headlines? Try to find out what happened for yourself. Or you think somebody said this, read, watch the interview, see what they actually said. It comes to your own conclusions. If people did that, they wouldn't fall for the agenda that the, the media is
0: trying to portray right now. I think you hit the nail on the head, brother. Uh, they're, they're complicit. And it's not just with the, the daily, everyday violence. They're complicit when it comes to acts of terrorism. Oh, yeah. They're complicit, whether it be domestic or what. They love to go into the details and tell, Vegas shooter, for example. We saw that guy's face and name <laughs> within minutes on every. Social media, website, news outlet across the world. Yep. We knew his life story. We knew everything about him because he shot a whole bunch of people. Yep. But yet you have a man or woman in the city of Baltimore or let's say uh, in West Palm Beach that, that goes out and feeds us the hungry every day. Yep. You'll never hear about them. Yep. It doesn't sell. The news does not sell. It's, it's sickening. And, uh, and then we're obsessed with motive. The news media is obsessed with motive as if that's important. Yeah.
1: They, well, they're just, still looking for the motive behind the uh, Vegas shooting. Why
0: can't it be just a nut job who wants to inflict as much damage as he can on as many people as possible so he can get some, in, some international notoriety and fame?
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's shocking. And the, the news media, the, that's another thing you asked before what was shocking about my post, is that people were believing this stuff. When the, when they, and when the responses to my post made me realize that, I need to write this stuff so people, to get the truth out. It bothered me that, you know, a, a race was being blamed for killing another race. That just didn't make sense to me. I grew up in New York where everybody was all different races. I grew up around Spanish, uh, white people, different religions. It didn't matter who you were. You were a New Yorker. So when I see the, the climate nowadays, I feel responsible. I feel a responsibility to put the truth out there that I grew up in this community that they're talking about. I'm a cop myself, and I know I've know both sides. And what you're being told is not true. And after I saw the responses to my post, I felt the obligation to be the one to say, hey, I'm gonna tell the truth about
0: what's going on. We're gonna take a break on that note, and we'll be back with Jay Stallion. Law enforcement officer here in South Florida, former Baltimore police, and uh, a bit of a social media superstar. And this is Law Enforcement Day. We'll be right back. I'm a retired school psychologist, and helping people was my thing. After my stroke, when Meals on Wheels started, I was on the other end of the stick, so to speak. My name is Julius Gaines, creative writer, poet, photographer.
4: One in six seniors faces the threat of
0: hunger, and millions more live in isolation. Drop off a hot meal and say a quick hello. Volunteer for Meals on Wheels by donating your lunch break at americaletsdolunch.org. This message brought to you
1: by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council.
3: As a small business owner, there's one word that you absolutely dread. Payroll. For small businesses, it's a big burden. You may think you're saving time and money doing it yourself, but come on, are you? Timesheets, processing checks, calculating taxes... A total waste of your time. Paychex simplifies payroll processing, saving you time and money. Submit your payroll online, fax it in, or call your dedicated Paychex payroll specialist. And you're done! Learn more at TryPaychex.com. Come on, do the math. The IRS dishes out 8 million penalties a year. Make one mistake, and you're on the hook. On average, you're losing nearly one business day every month doing payroll. That's time and money you'll never get back. Unless you get Paychex. More than half a million small businesses already do. Call 877-375-3164. Trade payroll pressure for peace of mind. Call now. 877-375-3164. That's 877-375-3164. Listen, my life changed because someone was there to get me to use drugs. No one can understand. People think that having someone who will listen makes it better. I need help. I'm listening. I need help. I think that having someone who will listen makes it better. People understand. No one can get me to use drugs. My life changed because someone was there to listen.
1: Go to heretolisten.com for tips and tools to turn addiction
4: around. Brought to you by the Ad Council.
1: This is Law
0: Enforcement Today. Joining us in studio, Jay Stallion. Jay, man, I'm enjoying our conversation. First of all, thank you for your service. Not just down here in South Florida, but... Working in the streets of Baltimore, that's a totally different beast. Right. And and I'm not diminishing what other people do in other agencies. Not in any stretch. One of the, the examples we had is the Maryland State Police. If you got into a problem on the side of the road, their help was a long ways away. Yeah. Ours was very, very close. Um, right. So in many aspects, their job could be at times more dangerous, but the level of violence in Baltimore uh, was epidemic back then. It's it's epidemic now and and
1: unfortunately, you said no one seems to have any solutions.
2: Yeah, yeah, because they they think they have solutions, but they're looking in all the wrong places.
1: But you know, the fact of the matter is, both you guys wouldn't change a thing. You're you're meaning that you're glad you did your three years in Baltimore, as Jay was very proud of his career in Baltimore.
2: Right, you learned a lot, and grateful for the lessons that I did learn, because I don't think I would get them anywhere else. It prepared me for life. Uh, it, it it helped me be successful where I'm at now, and uh, it makes a huge difference. I wouldn't have it any other way. How would you
0: describe when officers you work with now find out you were in Baltimore? What's their reaction like?
2: Well, they everybody saw what happened in the riots. And they saw uh, after the riots, that's when Baltimore came into the spotlight, and people really realized that hey, this place isn't uh, it's not paradise. So they give you. They give you respect for what you've been through. They could tell that, hey, this guy worked in, worked in some rough areas. So there's definitely a different level of respect for having him.
0: One of the questions that Robert and I have all the time, and we get this from a lot of people. You were a young officer, highly qualified, experienced, fully trained, had about three years under your belt in a very, very tough environment, and the department couldn't hang on to you what's the problem? Not just Baltimore specifically, but in general, what can law enforcement agencies do that once they get someone, a qualified applicant, because they say there's a shortage of them, and they get them trained, they get them on the street, how can they keep them? How can they keep them happy and have them do full careers of their agency?
2: There has to be a shift in the law enforcement culture. And it's very, uh, it's not widespread, I don't think, the retention issues. But in agencies like Baltimore where you already have an officer who's dealing with a rough environment uh, outside the agency. Inside the agency, you have to make sure that there's good morale. Give the guys good equipment, which we did not have. uh, We
0: were... How was the equipment? It was bad. Explain. What were the cars like?
2: The cars, you'd be lucky to go into roll call and have a car. Usually, we would finish roll call and we'd have to wait to see if there's a car coming in or did you have to go to the shop to pick one up and you had to test to see if the lights worked? You'd be lucky if the AC worked in the summertime. You'd be lucky if the siren worked. You'd be lucky if I've never had a car in Boston where all the lights worked at the same time. <laughs> ever.
0: No. And, we used to have two by fours propping up the back yeah, of the, the it, driver's seat because they're broken. You'd have steering
2: wheels with chunks missing out of the... I don't know how that happened if somebody bit the steering wheel. You'd have chunks. <laughs> it was madness. Madness. You'd have to clean the car out because there's roaches and some cars had holes in the floorboard. Don't uh-huh. know how that happened. Don't know. Don't I know. Don't, don't want to know. know. <laughs> I don't know how that happens. Don't want to know. But it, the equipment was, it was bad.
1: When you tell people now what it was like that never worked in Baltimore, do they believe you? Uh, they
2: believe me, but they can't. You could can tell it's like, oh, okay, that happened. But they can't process it because you, you're, you haven't gone through that. You know, we have take-homes now. I didn't know what a take-home was. I have a nice 2014 patrol vehicle. I could keep it clean every day. It's assigned to me. I didn't know what that was. We have computers. I never had a computer up there. Everything was handwritten. And it's the little things like that that will help you retain more officers because you give them good equipment. You give them good. The pay was another thing. You work in one of the worst environments, but you have one, also have one of the worst pays. Why would you stay when you could go to an adjacent county? And get paid more, get treated better, less workload, less danger. Better equipment. Better equipment. It's it's a no better prayer. benefits. Exactly. So at the you can't change the environment overnight, but you can you can increase the pay. You can increase the benefits, increase the equipment, and that goes a long way to increase the morale. And the more agencies did that, they'd be able to keep officers way longer.
0: I, I, I think you're preaching to the choir here. I agree hundred percent. And certainly going uh, a bit and beyond to take care of either mental and physical health right. uh, would, would be a step in the right direction. Right now in in Maryland, they have agencies picking from other agencies. So everybody's hiring and they're doing lateral transfers. And they're all doing lateral transfers. I'm not going to say the agency's name right now, but there's one. It's a county south of Baltimore that's offering a $20,000 sign-on bonus <laughs> For officers that have experience from other agencies, it's it's like robbing Peter to pay Paul.
2: That's another thing with Baltimore. They know that they're getting an experienced officer, so they, they why would they why would they stay? I have experience. These guys are going to pay me way more and treat me way better than where I'm at now. Why would I stay?
0: And they give you a car to take home every exactly. day. That just blows my mind. There's no, there's no, <laughs> a car that runs you can keep clean. Oh. What a concept! Jay Stallion, thanks so much for coming in. Man, we appreciate been a hard it. To be here. I appreciate it coming. In. And if people want to find out more about you, it's kind of hard to do because you're you're doing the low profile thing on right. social media. My uh, Facebook
2: page is is public, so it's Jay Stallion, and they
0: can be there. All right, and make sure the messages are supportive. Uh, We don't need any more internet trolls. I'm sure you've had plenty of them already. (laughs) All right, thank you so much for being here. We appreciate it. Love the interview. Love the guest. And I'm so excited about the future guests we have coming up on Law Enforcement Today radio show. One of the things that we use a lot, Facebook.
1: It's huge. And technology is amazing
0: and it's changing rapidly facebook we do a lot of facebook live videos and people want to know why because it's it's an easy way for us to get our message to people as quickly as possible and the most people as possible
1: and the most important thing is is you actually get to see who's behind that mic or behind that pen but now with the advancements of
0: technology in the very near future we're going to start having frequent facebook television shows with guests And it's it's not just going to be me in front of a camera or Robert in front of a camera. It could be Robert and I and a guest in California on the camera. You'll see everybody. It's a really cool feature. Lots of great things coming up, heading your way on our Facebook page and our website as well. If someone has not taken the time to like our Facebook page, what do they do? It's not difficult, is it?
1: Not at all. Please like our page, like it, share with your friends, invite them to come into our community. And with this new coming feature, if you know somebody who would be an awesome guest to be on our Facebook TV show, please let us know.
0: With this feature, we could have them in front of our audience, which is right around 700,000 people at the moment and growing in leaps and bounds and getting that message to them quickly. And it can be shared. So lots of people from anywhere can see it. That's just an example of so many things that are way cool happening. And we bring it to you with law enforcement today, our Facebook page. So be sure to like it. And another great thing, what we really need people to do, if you want to help promote our message about law enforcement and the good people in it, click, like, and share on our posts.
1: It's the most important thing. People always ask me, hey, Rob, how can we help you and Jay and the team out? like and share our posts. It's that simple, folks.
0: Like and share, like and share. And that's a great way of getting the message out there because you know, negative news, negative media spin and bias portrayal goes flying all over the world in moments. We
1: want to be a part of that, but on a positive note. Right, exactly. So,
0: remember, when we post something on Facebook. Be sure to like and share. And if you haven't done so already, like our Facebook page. Do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today. Be sure to click the like button when you get there. It's very, very easy to do. So, on behalf of everyone associated with law enforcement today, don't you do it. Don't you do it, Robert. I'm John J. Wiley. Until next time,
4: see ya.